Hey guys, welcome back. This is, of course, the Animator Guild podcast, a podcast for aspiring animators and artists where we talk about the creative process, respond to audience questions, and expand on ideas which can't fit into short YouTube videos. And also remember that the podcast is now up on Spotify and SoundCloud and will soon be coming to other platforms. Today, I'll be talking about maintaining optimism in the face of challenges. By the end of this podcast, you should be revitalized with new optimism and hopefully be inspired to make some animations. This episode was prompted by a message I received from a user called Shan on the Animator Guild Discord group. He writes, Hey Howard, how are you able to maintain your optimism when it comes to animation? Because... Yes, it might not be a dying thing. It's been looked down upon heavily, though. When we look at animation studios, their monthly pay isn't actually uh, isn't usually that great and they aren't able to create their own thing. When we look at YouTube, they don't want to promote your content because animators aren't able to maintain for so long. I think he means runtime there. And YouTube picks quantity over quality. Yeah. Even when you have people supporting you on Patreon to help you keep going, how will you be able to know it will be enough to invest on your own studio? And how will you keep the budget in check so that people who help with your project get paid? By the government, he says in question mark. Um, I don't know a lot of things in the world since I'm very young, but doesn't it upset you of what animators have to face? And sure, it's not all about money, but to be able to function in this society and make your idea happen, it's only done by money. Okay, end uh, letter. That, that's the sort of, um, well, not a letter, but uh, that was the message I received from Shan. So very pessimistic, very, sounds very down, you know, sounds like he's pretty overwhelmed by letting the pessimism get to him. Um And I think many of my subscribers can probably relate to this feeling, especially since the news of Copper came out, which had a lot of people shook. Well, luckily, this sort of question is my specialty, I think, because I have a very buoyant, optimistic outlook on uh, my situation and, and on animation in general. So I think that Perhaps that's needed to um, turn this attitude around um, and to give you a better outlook where and and the the other thing is that if you if you have this pessimistic point of view, it actually it makes you less capable. It actually really limits you. whereas um, if you if you're feeling good about the situation, um, then you start to see opportunities everywhere and you start to uh, function better and you produce better work. Um, you Your situation improves. And um, this has been proven time and time again from, from studies in psychology and sociology. So um, it's important that we change this. We turn it around and get you feeling good about the situation because there's a lot. We, we're actually very lucky. We have a lot of opportunities and I just need to make you see that. So I'm going to address 
each of your main points and give you my response to them. Hopefully by the end you will have a different outlook on the situation. Before I get into it, I just want to remind you about the Animator Guild Patreon page. If you appreciate these podcasts and videos and you want to give something back, you can show your appreciation by pledging a regular amount um, of your choosing to go directly towards maintaining the channel every fortnight. It can be as little as $1 and it all adds up to really help. Um, the link to that is in the description below. The first major point I want to make about your collection of questions um, is that animation is not the only industry with problems. Literally every industry has problems and you just need to learn a little about the other industries to realize this. Like let's pick some one, some of the ones that come to mind where people believe them to be very abundant industries with tons of money coming through coming through, loads of cash flow, easy money and a, a cushy lifestyle. Um, okay, so uh, let's pick the oil trade. So people are now realizing that oil is not sustainable for the planet. Governments are increasing taxes on non-renewable energy sources. Oil is a finite resource, so in the near future there won't be any oil left. So how's that for an easy, stable industry? And that's one that people often site as being you know a very lucrative industry but it's got serious problems at the root of it um let's take another one stock trading maybe people imagine someone with their feet up on a desk watching their their stock um, portfolio go up and up but let's look at the reality of some of this high reward trades come at a higher risk so for every successful trader you hear about there are a hundred traders who have lost a fortune in the stock market. In order for you to stock trade as a full-time career, you need to spend about eight hours a day staring at candlestick charts and reading the Financial Times from cover to cover. So how's that for an easy industry? You know, it's not actually what it's cracked up to be like. And, you know, I could go on and on, you know, being a doctor, Good luck at getting through medical school for being a doctor. You think that's easy to think that's a walk in a park? You know, seven years in medical school, the entire time of which you're not earning money. So you come out of medical school in heaps of debt. Uh, you see, I can find flaws in any industry, even the industries that you think are the most lucrative, the most stable, the most easy to, to get along in. Um, animation is not special. It has problems and um, every now and then something shakes it and everyone who makes animations gets scared and hunkers down or quits instead of taking advantage of the opportunities, the real opportunities that are out there. And I think that comes from thinking differently, not just thinking like the average person. Um, here's one that wasn't um, asked directly by your question, but it's one that I hear a lot of, and uh, so I'm going to address it, this idea that animation is a small industry. When you think about it, the size of the industry has no implication on the prosperity of the people working in that industry. The larger the industry, the higher the competition, for one thing. So what if Hollywood produces far fewer animated features than live action films? 
there are far fewer people who can draw well. So people who can draw well and reliably are in huge demand. The size of the industry is pretty irrelevant at that point. It's all about the size of the industry. Um, sorry, it's all about the supply and demand of the industry, the balance that goes on there. Are there enough competent artists compared to the demand that studios and individuals have for those competent artists? I would argue no, not enough competent ones. And how do I know this? Because I actively look for artists to hire all the time for my productions and it is hard to find 2D artists with animation experience who are reliable and reasonably priced. Once I find an artist like that, I stay in contact with them because they can be hard to find again. You know, if I lose that contact, then I have to search all over again and it can be a long time. So, um, you know, there aren't enough of them really from my perspective. Um, and a lot of the time as well, if you're a, a client who's just looking for a freelancer to work on an animation, um, most of the talented, most of the talent is snapped up by studios. Like they, the talent goes straight into these big studios, like uh, I don't know, Bungie or The Mill or something. I, I mean, that's VFX, but um, you know, they don't stick around in the freelance industry too long. So um, it can be actually very hard to find freelancers that way that actually know what they're doing. So anyway, I just wanted to clear that up that. Just because animation is a small industry compared to live action film or 3D, uh, it doesn't actually mean that your job prospects are any worse, really. And also, you know, the TV industry is uh, is big on 2D animation and so are a lot of other, other industries. So 2D animation is relied on a lot and not just in 2D narrative animation. Okay, so um, yeah, the, just to hit that home, the world of animation is flourishing. I can tell you that firsthand from my flooded inbox of people constantly asking me to help on their music videos, Kickstarter projects, YouTube series, comic book adaptations, short films, feature films, game projects, the list goes on. Okay, now I've got those two perceptions out of the way, I'll actually directly address some of the points you've made in your message, um, Shan. So, the idea that you need money to start making animations, um, I think you need hardly any money, especially when compared to live action film or, or anything like that. Here's what you need. If you, if you want to go the budget route. Uh, you need a second-hand Wacom Bamboo tablet, you need a second-hand laptop, you need an internet connection and a power connection, and you need a free software like OpenTunes or Critter that can be downloaded from the internet uh, for free. So that's actually not a cost. So if you can get these things, then you're away and you have everything you need to make an animation from start to finish. Uh, the rest, and, and to put it online, the rest is just the time you've got to put in. And, you know, everyone has time, really. Everyone has time as their resource that they can spend. You might not think you do, but you probably 
do. If you watch Netflix at night, uh, if you play games, video games, you have time. You can you can sacrifice that time that you spend watching Netflix to, for for actually making a film of your own. Um, so what's the cost of that? Like, what's the minimum cost? I would say it's under three hundred pounds. Under three hundred pounds, which I think most people can save up to, and that's considering that's imagining that you don't have. Uh, you don't have a laptop yet, so somehow you're watching, you're listening to this on a mobile device, perhaps, and you don't have a laptop, uh, and you know you don't have an internet connection or a power connection, right? So three hundred pounds is like assuming you have nothing, but really it could be spending an extra fifty pounds. Oh, I realise some people won't know what pounds so, um dollars it, it would be like i don't know the estimate i'd say for an average person would just be the cost of a uh, bamboo tablet really secondhand bamboo tablet which could be 20 20 dollars 30 dollars i haven't looked the links to those products will be in the description of this I'll, I'll make sure to link them so that you can go out and buy them if you want um, maybe not second hand. I wouldn't uh, link to one that's second hand, but you can find one that's second hand. Okay. Um, when we this is a, a taking just plucking another point out of his message to me. When we look at YouTube, they don't want to promote your content because animators aren't able to maintain runtime I guess he means for so long and YouTube picks quality uh, quantity over quality um, first point I want to make is like no matter what YouTube thinks is good I would always recommend you strive for for quality um, because I think in the long run there's always there's it's always worth investing in making quality content. Um, no matter what the algorithm decides, um, you know, quality content is timeless. It will always be quality, whereas quantity, you get the idea. And we're living in an age where if you want quantity, you know, we've got the internet for that. Anyway, moving on to the actual point. It's true that ad revenue is no longer an adequate source of revenue for animators, save for a select few at the top. So, just treat ad revenue like an extra little bonus wage on top of the money you're making by other means. You should also remember that YouTube is free promotion. My videos have been seen by millions of people and I've never paid YouTube anything to do that. Uh, they rank often in the top of search results for certain keywords, never paid YouTube for that. Um, YouTube runs ads on my videos and pays me a percentage of the money for that. So can I really complain? You know, that's a bonus for me. Um, it was never part of the plan to make that my full source of income. And I wouldn't recommend that for anyone. And so, yeah, there is a sweet spot for content that's around 10 minute long videos. Um, enough for someone to squeeze into a lunch break, I guess. That's why it's around 
10 minutes but also if you go longer than that you actually find that the video gets punished as well I've made half hour long videos or even hour long videos and they don't get as many views so it's actually you know it's kind of around 10 minutes which I understand is outside of the realm of animation um, all that suggests though is that you shouldn't try to make full-time income from making animations on YouTube that's all this fact shows it doesn't show that animation is not worth pursuing that animation can't be profitable okay so that leaves 99% of ways for animators to make money still open to you um, there are so many more options if you want some clues you can take a look at my channel and what I've been up to I mean for one thing at the start of this video I um, I said guys you can you know you can directly sponsor me and my videos you can directly help and pay towards them with patreon so now there's no middleman in between, really. Patreon is a middleman, but they only take a very small percentage. And most of it goes directly to me, which has helped me to do things like buy a, a new microphone so that you get this good audio quality on this podcast and many other things, you know. Um, lights, for I've got now a studio, two studio lights to improve the quality of the YouTube videos. And so it, it all comes back around and... Um, uh, so you can you can do things that way instead of just ad revenue, which we all know doesn't pay enough. Um, I make very little direct income from my short animations being on YouTube. If you look at the actual my actual short films that I make, um, but that was never the plan. You see, you've got to be smart about it. It was never the plan for me to profit from my animated short films, my narratives. Um, they are like a promotion tool. They give credibility to my name. They um, help me to get in contact with clients. You know, clients seek me out for my work because they see my short films. Um, and also, okay, let's say you did want to uh, make YouTube ad revenue your full-time thing. You just got to be smart about how you do that. You could integrate animation with live action footage that you shoot and save those bits of animation for key moments. You can document your process. I mean, that's what I do. I document, I film my screen as I'm animating and that becomes content for people to um, get something out of. You know, a lot of people learn from just my screen recordings, I think, and seeing how I do things. You can make looping animation like those chill hop channels have you ever been on youtube and listened to chill hop you know lo-fi hip-hop they usually have animations just in they're just going round and round looping round okay so you might be listening to that video for an hour listening to the soundtrack and they've done maybe five seconds of animation for it you see it's just um being smart about how you do it here's another clue YouTube is the world's second largest search engine. So if you understand SEO, which is search engine optimization and video editing, you can rank high in the world's second largest search engine for a huge range of topics. Use that to your advantage. So many of my clients find me through YouTube search 
uh, search bar. You know, it's it's crazy how effective that is, um, and it's strange how rare it is for people to see YouTube in this way, because most people are they all think the same way. They hear one person saying something about the state of YouTube and how it is, or the state of animation, and then they start to adopt that because they haven't thought outside the box themselves. You know, they all think things like, oh, I've got to act like everyone else, make an animated series which picks up a following and then earn money from the ad revenue that I make on those videos. Or, I don't know, the other one, which isn't really YouTube related, but it's like, Oh, I've got to pitch my idea for a series to Adult Swim, I don't know, and launch a studio with the funds they give me. Uh, I don't think these plans are very practical. They have a high failure rate and the system is not set up for them to succeed. So you need to be smart about how you use these free public resources. Think outside the box, don't think like the masses. Okay, next point he makes is that basically it's hard to become a director or to make original content. So my mic drop answer for this is that you haven't earned it. The position of being a director in charge of other artists to make a large production show or films is a privileged position and you need to earn it, otherwise you're not worthy. So, for example, getting the financial backing. In order to get financial backing and to work with other people or have other people work for you, you need to earn people's trust. And how do you earn people's trust? By making films on your own. That's how you earn people's trust. You won't get anywhere unless people trust that you can do the job and they won't trust you unless they can see evidence for that. In order to be a good leader as well, especially on an animation production, you should have the knowledge and experience in the entire production. Only then will you be able to communicate properly with different professionals and departments and understand the animation process as a whole. That's very essential to being a leader on an, on a creative project is understanding other people's roles. So when you say that it's hard to become a director, you need to work your way up. And if you haven't worked your way up and you get there by some crazy coincidence, you haven't earned it. You haven't, you don't deserve to be a director. So, you know, being a director in many ways is great in other ways, it's a very demanding task where you're responsible for an entire team. Uh, you know, you've got to work your way up to that gradually over a career. Um, so that's my point of view on it. And uh, so it's like you're complaining that it's hard to become a director um, making original content. And I would say, yeah, it is. And it should be. <laughs> You can't just have anyone being a director. All right, I think I've made that point clear. Let's move on. Um, okay, next little segment I lifted out of his 
how will you be able to know it will be enough to invest in your own studio and how will you keep the budget in check so the people who help with your project get paid and in in uh, question mark he said by the government so uh, government is one option but not necessarily uh, so for this this is a technical question and it needs a technical answer I guess um, so he's he's kind of going stepping a little bit too far and and is coming up against issues with when it comes to funding studio projects and large projects okay so first of all I think it is good that you're mindful of wanting to be sustainable as a business and of ensuring that you can provide for the people you employ uh, I I usually say leaders eat last you know like if you mess up with the budget or something that should come out of your pay not from your employees so it's good that I can see that you have that mindset here you're you're conscious of that you don't want to let your employees down if you get any employees that is basically basically to answer this the main overview is that you don't jump straight into production with a huge staff you build up to that over a long period of time if you're sensible if you don't build up to it over a long period of time let's say you win the lottery and you, you know you do it that way or you get greenlit by producers somehow um, then usually that falls apart very quickly <laughs> and it makes no profit there are plenty of blueprints for how to do this you know like easing your way into animation production and so I'll share with you a blueprint which is close to what I do step one starting off we make animations on our own like I've already said very important stage and an important supplement for this is to work on your social media game so that not only do you make your own films but you understand how to put them out there in front of the masses get them noticed very important stage in this and it's the first rung on the ladder towards getting that studio that you want and producing original content step two then we network so your original films can help you do this you can network for free on social media like YouTube like Twitter Instagram those kind of things meet people meet artists start up conversations with them you're effectively a talent scout at this point you save people's details for later when you might need them so when you get the opportunity to hire them you know who they are I've built up quite large lists of animators and it's got details on them like um, what software they they use what their rates are or what their rates might be links to their portfolios things like that so I've gathered loads of information it takes work you gotta you gotta actively scout for people and develop these networks and friendships step three so next when you have independently made a film which is good enough has to be a quality independent film by the way if you 
can't yet make a quality independent film, you have to go back and relearn your skills, your core skills, so that your film can be good enough. Then you make the film and it will get traction and prospect clients. Trust me, if the film is good, it will get traction. Like people will notice it. If it's not getting noticed, either your fundamental skills in animation and storytelling aren't there yet, or you haven't invested in your social media game. Um, so, where was I? Yeah. So, when it is good enough, it will get traction and prospect clients will start coming along. Prospect clients meaning clients who are interested in hiring you but have not yet paid you anything. Um, these are clients who want to, they have an idea for a concept themselves and they want you to be the execution on that project. You want, they, they want you to produce it for you. And I think this is a really good step towards making your own content. Um, so from there, the, the great thing about this part, and this is in preparation for creating your own original content. From there, you get a budget from that client. You can negotiate with the client and you negotiate a budget, an overall budget. Let's say it's, just for this example, let's say it's $10,000. Then you have that number and you know that out of that number, certain things have to happen. Actually, what would happen is you you do this all this calculation before you send the quote. But let's just say you've got that number now, ten thousand dollars. Out of those ten thousand dollars, you've got to pay yourself. You've got to produce the film. the whole The whole film has to be made from start to finish, and any expenses need to be covered, and you need to pay whoever you bring on. So I think for a low budget like ten thousand uh, dollars, you should keep the team to a minimum because the more people you bring on, the more of that pie is going to get sliced up and taken in different directions. So it makes it harder. So have a core team of generalists, really. Um, it could be you and one other person. That's what I recommend. So step four. Then we go to hiring one animator online for part-time work or with a work-for-hire contract. A work-for-hire contract is a contract where you agree to pay the freelance artist for one specific task only. Um, let's say it's doing 50 background paintings. You set up a contract where you pay a certain amount for them to do those 50 backgrounds. Then when they've done the 50 backgrounds, you pay them and then the artist is on their way. In fact, you probably do some kind of split. So you, you pay them some up front, some, some after. Um, but then once it's done, it's done. And that artist can walk away and it's fine. You don't need to provide for them anymore. So it's not like the old days where you had to pay a, an annual salary, salary uh, straight out the gate. 
uh, now you've you've got uh, the internet, you've got freelance animators, and that's how I suggest you start your studio. This is what has done has been done for me, and that's you know that's brought the barrier to entry way lower. You know, um, you can do most of the work yourself. And his again, we're going back to the same thing, which is like you should be able to make a film by yourself. And the reason for that is, let's say this can happen. It happens quite a lot. Um, the freelancer that you've hired drops out. Well, if you can make the film yourself from start to finish, then you are like your own insurance policy. Like you know that if everything goes wrong, the freelancer drops out. Maybe he's got health problems or something. Then you can pick up the stylus and make those backgrounds so again it comes back to being being able to do that first step of making your own films by yourself very important um, keeping the budget in check that's something you've asked about how will you keep the budget in check with simple maths an understanding of the process and by keeping everything well documented in a spreadsheet those are the three things you need to do to keep the budget in check make sure it doesn't stray so with the maths the most you'll need is addition subtraction multiplication and division you know things you learn in nursery school uh, it doesn't get more complex than that it really is just like you know with the ten thousand dollars example you know you've got to work out um, a lot of the time you've got to work out time you know t time is money so you find out like how much you have to pay yourself per week or per month so um, you know it's simple division multiplication addition subtraction and um, I can go into that in a more advanced video in fact I think I'm uh, I think that's going to be included in an upcoming course that I'm working on which should be out next year um, so stay tuned for that where we go into all these business aspects because you know I'm not trying to oversimplify this too much I'm just trying to show you that it's possible but it is a it is a real job it's like a full-time job being an animation producer so it does have complexities but I just want to let you know that it is very possible to start your own studio from scratch if again if you can make your own film by yourself first from there you can bring other people in you can bring a freelancer in to do your backgrounds once you've done that you can okay now you can start bringing in someone to do your in-betweens does that work okay on the next commission you bring someone in and now you're going to take the daring step someone doing keyframe animation see with each one you're gently leaving the controls to someone else and paying them you're taking a smaller cut for that but it's worth it um, and hopefully as well here's the challenging part you've got to increase the quality of your animations that you're producing for clients so that then uh, the budget for your commissions can increase now I don't want to get too many too far through these steps and go through too many steps because I realize I've already spent a lot of time on this 
point. But basically from there, once you've got that, you've now set up a commercial studio where you have a network of freelancers and you produce concepts for other, you produce animations for other people's concepts. And now you want to shift over to producing your own. Well, because you have all the infrastructure set up from step one, two, three, four, now you can, the transition is easier for you to create your own original concept. You know how to work with clients. You know how to work with a budget. You have an established network of freelancers. You yourself, as a leader, you understand every part of the pipeline. Okay, these are all essential things to uh, having a studio which creates original content. The only difference with original content is that you need to pitch, you need to have formed an original idea fully. Um, you need to pitch it to an investor, of which there are many, although they are very specific about what they want. It needs to be on brand and things like that. It's tricky. Um, yeah, so you pitch it to an investor and then they give you a budget. And so in the way the investor is your client, uh, executive producer is another word for it. Um, these are usually executive producers working for studios, you know, um, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, uh, you know, all of them. Uh, those are Western ones, but there, there are plenty out there. Um, so yeah, I suggest you go through those steps first. And I understand that when you look up at a mountain like this, a big scary mountain, it seems overwhelming. Like I could never do all those things. But the journey up the mountain starts with a single step and it's a sequence of steps after that. It's just putting one foot in front of the other and doing that again and again and again until you, until before you know it, you're halfway up the mountain and then you look down at your feet, you're walking, you're walking, you're walking, you look up again and you've reached the summit and you're there. Um, I'm on that journey right now. And so I'm kind of reporting from, you know, halfway up the mountain and I'll let you know how the rest of it goes. Um, but yeah, it's very possible. Uh, don't think about it all at once and get overwhelmed by it. Just do the next thing in the sequence that you need to do and do it well. Okay. Onto his next point. He says, doesn't it upset you with what animators have to face? I guess it doesn't really upset me. Like for one thing, I'm an animator and I don't feel sorry for myself. Although I think that animators have more choice over their situation than they realize. If you're a 2D animator, I'm speaking only to 2D animators in this podcast, by the way, it means you can draw. And if you can draw, then you have an extremely powerful skill set that a lot of people need and a lot of companies need. That's your negotiating leverage there. It's in your skill set as a draftsman, someone who can draw, someone who understands visuals very well and can manipulate visuals extremely effectively. That's your negotiating leverage. Remember that. Remember that that's valuable, like very valuable. I think artists forget that you know and they see themselves as victims they they have power you know um 
and you need to use that smartly. I think you should understand critical thinking. You should understand being tactical and um, being empowered as well. I mean, let's say that you're trying to join a studio or you're trying to work with a certain client and people are underbidding you. And that means that like, let's say you quote the client, I don't know, 5K and someone underbids you, quotes 3K and then someone underbids them and quotes 2.5K. Before you know it, there's someone offering it for half the price that you were gonna do it for. It might seem like you don't have a choice in that situation and you have to bid lower than what you're worth to get the commission. But there's another option there and you know this option, but you don't want to acknowledge it. And that's the option to not play. And that's why you'll never find me working on platforms like Fiverr, Upwork, Freelancer, Wuxi. Ugh, I hate all of them. <laughs> I'd never go on them. Um, I went through a phase of trying that because in the beginning, it took me a long time to learn this by the way, in the beginning, I thought that's what you needed to do. Um, but now I realize that you need to do the other option and that's to to not play that game, to not underbid. Um, there's a really good, it's like you're not playing by their rules, you know. There's a great, uh, uh, an insurance company called Direct Line in the UK and the idea behind Direct Line, this is what they advertise. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them, by the way, <laughs> but it's just, it's just relevant to this because it, it transcends all business. Um, but they basically, their advertisement message is that they are not on price comparison websites. They deliberately do not go, do not have anything on price comparison websites. So they, are away from the competition. And that gives them a few benefits. For one thing, those price comparison websites take a commission on every uh, insurance company that they recommend. Just like uh, Odesk or Upwork, whatever it's called, Freelancer, Fiverr, they all take a commission. They take a cut whenever you do a commission. So if you operate outside of those systems, you take 100% of the commission. None of the, like, so that's good for the client as well, you know, because otherwise the client, part of what the client is paying for is not actually going to the artist, it's going to the platform on which the artist is on. So it's good for everyone when you do that. And the other thing is like, you, you don't wanna be around other people who are doing offering similar services because that's like trying to get attention in a in a room full of advertisements for other related services like how likely is it that they're going to choose you among all of those other options you need to separate yourself on my website you won't see any banners for other art services that provided by other people <laughs> it's just my work there and that's the great thing about my website is that it's just me. There's no one else around that you can see, no other artist. So when the client goes on there, you know, it, I'm presented, my work is presented in its best light. Okay, so 
Um, kind of went off on on one there, but the main thing uh, about that is that you know artists don't have to face some of these challenges. Some of them they just need to dodge. Like it's not even worth attempting to make a sustainable business on Fiverr.com. It's not even worth trying. It's it's a better use of your time to avoid it completely and to uh, set up business in areas that do work and that you can tell that they work. They're known to work. So next point he makes, and sure, it's not all about the money, but to be able to function in this society and make your ideas happen is only done by money. So, okay, I I kind of think that this is, uh, maybe I didn't read that point in the correct tone, because I think he's complaining <laughs> in this point, really I do. Um, but that's a fact, you know. Yes, we live in a capitalist economy, so that's how the system runs, I'm afraid. So I know that it's not what a lot of you want to hear, but I believe you should take a section of your time and devote it to learning about supplementary skills which aren't animation, but that are going to help you so much in your career as an animator. So this is things like social media marketing, finance, economics, investment, okay? Maybe these things don't appeal to you very much, but by learning about these, you're really investing in yourself and you're investing in your future prosperity. So here's what I found are the main reasons for artists struggling financially. And it might not be what you think it is. Because I think what maybe people assume that I would say here is um, things like, you know, YouTube changing their algorithm. No, it's not. Here are the three reasons. And notice that they're all the artist's responsibility, okay? Number one, artists are not trained in financial literacy. Number two, artists lack imagination with business strategies. And number three, quality animation takes a lot of time to produce. Okay, fair enough. Number three is not the animator's fault. Fine. But I'm going to follow up on these points individually and you'll see what I have to say. Artists are not trained in financial literacy. Neither was I. I wasn't trained in financial literacy. I had to teach myself financial literacy. So luckily there are plenty of books out there that you can buy. Um, they don't cost a lot and um, you can learn from it. And not only that, you don't even need to buy a book. You just need to pay attention to what's happening on the internet. Um, every site you go on to figure out uh, how it's making money. You know, like if you go onto a blog that, and you're trying to learn about a certain animation technique, think okay how's this website making making its income ah oh, right look they're running google banner ads okay anyone can sign up to that right there's a strategy i've learned something now or maybe they are trying to upsell you to buy their product 
Oh, how do they set that product up? I wonder what platform they use. Oh, they're using WordPress? Okay, you see, you don't actually need a book. You can actually figure it out yourself if you're aware. Um, okay, on to the next point. Artists lack Im imagination with business strategies. I just want to point out how ironic this is that artists, who are some of the most imaginative personalities, imaginative people, just don't seem to bring that imagination to their business strategies. Um, so I recommend that you do more research on business. You need to put the time in here. Take some time out. If you're devoting 100% of your time to making animations or making drawings, you know, take a, a section of that time. Don't stop drawing, but take a section of that time and use that time as dedicated time to to figuring out how to run a business. Um, you can reverse engineer business strategies. You can be an entrepreneur. And what entrepreneurs do is they look for demand. They see where people are struggling and they try to help people and uh, cater something to their needs. Um, and also, you know, there are two kind of businesses you can be involved in. You can either be involved in products or services. So I think most animators are only exploring services, really, um, the service industry, which is like, uh, and, and I'm involved in services, you know, it's, it's services is like selling a service to someone else. So for example, animating something for a client. That's what I do a lot. Um, but now, have a look at the products industry and you might be surprised at what you find. For example, by selling stock footage and stock images, you can actually sell the same thing hundreds of times. And so that's very good leverage on your time, if you think about it. Um, I think that a lot of stock websites, um, Shutterstock, Envito Market, uh, Shutterstock, did I say Shutterstock? Maybe I did. Um, <laughs> Getty images, I don't know. Um, they they want assets, um, animated assets, or just uh, graphics, you know, vector images that lots of businesses can use and they can buy the license. That's, a, that's an example of a product industry that you can access. You can sell products, not just services. And plenty of other things, but that's just a... And in a clue for you, another clue for you to go off and figure out. Um, number three, quality animation takes a lot of time to produce. This is a big uh, thing, a big issue that people have, and I'm going to tackle it more in uh, later videos, um, in articles, and podcasts. Yeah, so because it's a big problem, and if we solved this problem, we would kind of solve every problem, you know, like. It's the problem of animation, animators. So um, quality animation takes time to produce. I think most animators aren't as efficient as they could be with the way they produce their animation. I'm talking about making your animation count, making your animation serve multiple purposes, um, reusing your old animations, I feel like people animate something for one purpose only, and so they're not really getting the most out of that animation. You know, if you put 10 hours into a little uh, looping clip of animation, um, that's 10 hours you've spent there. 
okay, so how can you make that animation count for as much as possible? How can you make a social media post about it? How can you then also make a YouTube video about it? How can you then also put it into your portfolio for uh, your gallery on your on your website? Um, can you also make it a sponsored video if you're doing a YouTube video about it? Um, in the first place, could you have had that commissioned by a client? You know, can you agree in the contract with that client that you're also allowed to use it for your own social media? That's what I do. Um, so you see, you you you're doing a lot with one piece of animation, and um, that's how you got to be. You got to be shrewd with it. Um, and so those are some starting points for how you can change this problem of lacking financial literacy. Oh yeah, by the way, with financial literacy, I recommend the book to get you started on learning about financial literacy. There's a book called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's a very tiny book, but it's um, very simple and easy to read, and it's just a good introduction to learning financial literacy. So I'll link that in the description. And I want to say that making money can be really fun. And I don't mean having money. I don't mean spending money. I mean making money in itself is very fun and interesting and satisfying. If you've ever watched like The Apprentice or something, it's it's very fun that they go off and they create a business venture. Um, so think of it that way. Don't think of it as a chore where it's like, oh, now I've got to earn money to fund my hobby of animation, uh, making animations. Now I've got to figure out a way to make this work financially. See it as, you know, a fun thing in itself, I'd say. And even if you're working in a studio, you can work tactically and figure figure out ways of getting more leverage in negotiation. Maybe you can negotiate to have more flexible working hours. Maybe you can negotiate a raise. Um, maybe you can find a way to change the course of the entire studio. You, you know, you could actually help the studio to develop by offering suggestions and things and become a real stakeholder in the studio that you're working at. Um, just some ideas there. It doesn't only apply to freelance animators. Uh, it applies to pretty much anyone who's an artist who's working in a in a creative profession, really. So, um, the conclusion of this, long story short, roll up your sleeves and put in dedicated work to make something which benefits other people. As a consequence, opportunities will present themselves for money and success and all other things that you want. Invest in your skill sets and you will be rewarded. Make good films and you will be rewarded. It's a byproduct of the hard work. If you work hard and you work smart, you'll get money as a consequence. It will happen to you. Um, like if I do a good job on this podcast, people will be compelled. I'm, I'm confident that people will be compelled to give back. So it's gonna, it's just gonna happen, you know, I think. <laughs> Hopefully guys, <laughs> be generous. <laughs> You can show your thanks by supporting me on Patreon. 
the link to my Patreon page will be in the description. Um, and I also think don't make a habit of complaining about your circumstances. Um, try to see the bigger picture. Adapt to what is happening around you, but be true to yourself and your passion. You can also leave a like, comment, share, review, any of those things uh, to help this show, to help my channel, to help it get to more people so more people can, can see it. And also remember that the podcast is now up on Spotify and SoundCloud and will soon be coming to other platforms. Okay, that's it. Goodbye.